away Down in the valley The trees Will they creak and groan And whisper with the northern winds Say go on home Welcome to Tell You What, the podcast, where we talk with young songwriters about the craft of songwriting, the live music experience, and everything. Our guest on this episode is Northern Irish songwriter, musician, and producer Joshua Burnside. First met up with Joshua at the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas last month. I've been to South by a few times, and I've always come away with some great music discoveries from the United Kingdom. There are endless different venues where shows are happening all over Austin that week, but I've always found my way back to a club called Latitude 30, which is taken over that week by UK organizations and renamed the British Music Embassy, and that is where I saw Joshua play. I'd found his music in my pre-trip research, but seeing it perform live really drew me in as a fan. He really gives it his all in his live performance. I chatted with him briefly after his set, and I somehow convinced him to record an episode with us. I do feel a need to properly set the scene for this recorded chat. Joshua and I had first agreed to talk on a Friday, but our signals got crossed, so we reset the date for a few days later. In the meantime, the university I have a rooting interest in became involved in the National Basketball Championship, and I made the last-minute decision to drive to Minnesota to watch the final game with some old pals. I know we will have some international listeners on this episode, so just trust me that this experience was a bit intense. There was, perhaps, some late-night carousing and celebrating, and in order to accommodate the time differential between us, it was morning for me when I met online with Joshua to chat. All this goes to explain that I was, let's say, perhaps a slight bit duller than usual for this episode. Good news for you, dear listeners, is that Joshua's natural wit and charm carried the day, and we ended up with a great discussion. We covered a couple of ideas that I've talked with other guests about, and Joshua offered up some unique and thought-provoking takes on the topics. For example, when we discussed the issue of whether songs are ever really finished, or his thoughts on his progress as a songwriter over time. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy this episode and check out some others. If you are a returning listener, I think you will become a Joshua Burnside fan in due course. So let's get to it. Here's our discussion with Joshua Burnside. Tear out my tongue, tear out 
Okay, Joshua, welcome to Tell You What, the podcast. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. You are our first international guest. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. This is very exciting. We're, we're transcontinental. You are in Belfast currently. Do I have that right? That's right. I'm in uh, the glorious East Belfast at the minute in um, my little studio space, which I rent out. Um, yeah, in, in Northern Ireland. And that's home to you. It is, yes, yeah. Uh, now, you and I met briefly. I'm sure you don't really remember, but I saw you perform at South by Southwest in mm. Austin. I remember. Texas. You do remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I make a big impression. <laughs> yes. 30 seconds. <laughs> Were you, uh, I, to be fair, I remember speaking to you, but I can't remember exactly what you looked like. Were you wearing a really, hat? Really? I'm, I'm very handsome. Let's very start handsome. there. Okay, okay. Right. <laughs> I was wearing a hat. Okay, so I remember that much, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but there were, there were a lot of performers, and I've noticed this before at South by from Great Britain, Ireland there. Are there cultural organizations that support artists to make that trip? Did you, mm-hmm. or did you come on your own or how does that work? Do you know? Yeah. So you can apply for funding, um, from a few different organizations. Um, one's called the PRS, which they collect royalties on our behalf. So anytime okay. a song gets played on the radio, um, they have to pay the artist for that privilege. Uh, which is quite good. We've got a very good system in United Kingdom and Ireland for doing that. Yeah. Um, and uh, but a lot of people don't claim their royalties, so the there's this kind of like pot of money that just they they just like give to up and coming kind of artists to kind of help promote their career, and so that's one of the ways you can kind of um, if you can get <laughs> you can get funding from them, they might send you out to Sci-Fi, which is really which is really great. Yeah. So that's funny. That's the the unclaimed funds. Yeah, just like people don't even realize maybe that their song is has made a bunch of money because some yeah. yoga teacher is like playing it in their class or something, right? Uh, or it's like being played at a disco or something, and then because it's being played, it's it's you know making a few quid, and then people don't claim it. I think that's why it's been explained to me that where their yeah. money comes from. So, well, um, uh, let me yeah. tell you this: my 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 wife and the uh, spiritual advisor to, to the Tell You What podcast is a yoga teacher okay and she has played your music in her yoga class oh wow did it make them really sad and bored (laughs) (laughs) i don't think so (laughs) i never thought of my music as being uh kind of uh would be good for yoga i don't know well she she plays a lot of interesting music but uh but she definitely it it worked for her so i don't i'm not sure whether the prs is getting paid by her though i'll have to look into that so uh, don't know. You know, I don't know how it works in the states, to be honest. Um, okay, so so let's talk uh, a little bit about your background. Uh, did you grew up in Belfast? Yeah, just outside in a, a town yeah. called Cumber, um, which is sort of just southeast of of, of Belfast. And um, and then I moved. To, I lived in, I lived in Glasgow for a while. I lived in Manchester mm-hmm. for a while, and I've settled back in Belfast the last few years. So, what um, kind of music? were you exposed to growing up like in your home or or elsewhere um probably the the main things that stand out would be like of like paul simon and dylan and um, from your parents yeah from my dad mainly fleetwood mac things like that there mainly american Mm -hmm. stuff and then as i got older i kind of because we we came from sort of protestant background um we didn't really listen to a lot of irish traditional music it wasn't really a thing in our house 
um, because that was seen as sort of like the nationalist kind of music. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was never really exposed to that from a young age. And then when I went to university in Belfast, I started listening to more of it and hanging out with people who listened to it a lot. And so I kind of got into it later um, in life. But um, So when did you start to play music? Uh, I think I wrote my first song when I was about 11 or 12. Oh, just, wow. just like words, maybe younger actually. Um, I, I made up this like fantasy band in my head. <laughs> And uh, I just wrote these really dumb songs. Just with, I had a melody in my head, but I didn't know how to play an instrument yet. And then when I was 12, 13, I started playing in like a little band. And guitar. We, yeah, playing guitar and singing. It was sort of like a punk grunge. It was horrible, but it was, it was good fun. So did you continue to write music then when you started playing the guitar? Yeah, I mean, once I started, I just never stopped. And then... Um, I think I was never really interested in being a very good guitarist or a very good singer. I just liked writing, like the craft of writing a song and right. um, throwing a few so, chords together. So the guitar and the voice were, you saw them as a vehicle to m- allow you to write the songs? Yeah, it was definitely just, they were just tools to get the song out sort of thing, I think. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about live performance. Did you go to a lot of shows growing up? Are there any maybe that stand out or, or artists whose performances have influenced you from a live show perspective? Um, yeah, there's been a few. One one band, American group actually. I think they're American. Well, they're not a band anymore. But I saw in Manchester when I was at university called The Books. I don't know if you've ever heard of The Books. No. And it's a duo, and it's a guy who plays guitar and a guy who plays cello, and it was one of the best live performances I've ever seen. And they had visuals timed to all the music, and it was all like kind of sound collage and samples, really complex guitar and cello and like and singing and stuff, and sort of folktronic thing. And like that was, had a really lasting kind of impression on me. Yeah. Um, I I got I got to see Paul Simon for the first time actually recently, and it's sort of his uh, farewell tour, tour as he's, as he's right. built it in Glasgow, and that was that was absolutely incredible because he played just all my favorite songs, all the all the hits, and then all lots of songs that you, you didn't normally you wouldn't normally play live, and like old tunes and some Simon and Garfunkel stuff as well, and it was just it was really amazing. So he sounds like he's been a big influence on you as a songwriter. Yeah. For sure, um, I would still listen to him quite a lot. Anytime, yeah. like I'm kind of, I'm kind of stuck or I've kind of lost inspiration or I feel like I'm in a rut, I just stick on one of his records and then, you know, it would seem he makes it seem so easy. You know, <laughs> it makes it seem effortless. So, so like yeah. when you listen to his music and then you go back to your guitar or whatever, it's like it does. It is. It's things seem simpler. Interesting. Like, don't don't try and overcomplicate it. Just yeah. like, just be, just keep it simple and keep it, you know, honest or whatever. That's interesting because if you read any interviews with him, he works incredibly hard at his process. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, I mean, he's he's very meticulous. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, not not to say you, I do end up banging my head against the wall most of the time mm-hmm. with a line or a lyric or a melody and. It is a ve- it can be a very slow process, and it can you have to be kind of 
you have to nitpick about every little detail I think but sometimes you can get caught in like a sort of mind trap of your own creation because whether you're afraid of what people are going to think of this bit or whether it's your own self-doubt or whether it's you're just a bit you're just not feeling it and then you just get caught in like a loop and sometimes if you listen to someone else's music especially someone who's such a gifted songwriter like it can it can release you from that you know what i mean right yes have you ever um collaborated in your songwriting or you've done everything by yourself i've sort of done most of it by myself i haven't done a lot of co-writing or anything like that there uh my brother he plays a bit of drums he writes most of the drum parts and and then other people have come and gone that have played different pieces bits and pieces on the songs but the core of the songs is mostly just just me you know right well let's talk a little bit about your process you have a really varied output some of your songs really complicated you've also released stripped down versions of those songs do most of your songs start as straightforward folk songs and then get built up in the studio or are you kind of hearing that complexity from the outset when you write um, I'm normally sort of somewhere in between yeah. that. Like, um, I, no, it really depends on the song, actually, because some songs I just planned it to be a three-chord, nice melody, nice words kind of thing. And then once I started recording it, I felt like it, it was just, it was dull or it was lacking in some way and then decided to, you know, throw everything, everything else at it in the in the studio to see what, mash it up and, rip it apart and see what, what we can do to kind of, you know, breathe some life into it in some way in, right. the, in the studio. And then other songs, I have a very clear picture production-wise what I want to do with it and how I want it to sound. So I go in with, like, this idea that I'm going to put this, that, and there. And then sometimes that doesn't work at all. So you end up, those songs become really simple acoustic numbers. So uh, sometimes they go backwards in yeah, that sense. Yeah, so I can go either way. I just think once you get recording... You never really, I think it's just, yeah, it's just trial and error, I think, sort of. Let's talk about the song Blood Drive. Mm-hmm. On the deluxe reissue album you released, you, you, you released a, 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 a demo version, I think you called it, very mm-hmm. spare acoustic version. Yeah. Still has the urgency of the full version of the song, I think, but which is much more lush and you know, multi-track vocals and other effects. So mm-hmm. what was the order of events with that particular song? Um, that yeah, that was just like the demo was like what it sounded like when I just written it, and I had no idea what I was going to do production wise. Um, but I knew I wanted it to be simple. I knew I wanted it to be kind of lush vocals, right? But I didn't want to do anything too complicated with it because I liked the song kind of the way it is. I just wanted to give it a give it a bit more atmosphere and give it a bit of a lift each each verse and each chorus, you know. So um, there's just like simple piano chords and like in fifths for the chorus just to give it a bit of weight in the chorus mm-hmm. and then the last chorus is like a, a banjo line comes in and there's a bit of shaker but I didn't want to I think like I, it's you know it could have done more I could have done less but I think I think it sits just 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 all right with the way it is you know I, I think it works very well I think, Cheers. I think it's just <laughs> I think it's just right and a lot of a lot of other people agree it seems though Hipper cut, the power cut, the edge of time, 
blocked off the road. From on high, sparks in the dead night. Well, I hope your book is right. Blood dry, thunderous light from church to the bunker. I lost you in the running cry. Blood dry, pastor alive. Saint Peter denied. They're afraid. in your hat if you're mm-hmm. going that way yeah from what i can see is a reworking or re-release of your first ep mm-hmm. from 2013 is that yeah. right yeah and you added some new uh songs can you talk about your decision to return to that work yeah i think when when i released that myself didn't really um have any money to like put it out there so and not many people heard it so now that i'm with um this small label in Belfast quite actually decided it might be a good idea to bring it because we release everything on vinyl and we didn't have okay. that on vinyl and we thought it would be a nice kind of thing to do Lyndon my manager suggested putting like bonus tracks and b-sides and all the rest of it on the other side of the on the flip side of the vinyl okay and make some new artwork and it, you know it'd be like a nice new kind of thing um to sell at shows and things like that mm-hmm. um and it turned out to be a really good idea because lots of people who kind of came on board and started listening to me because of the Afrad album, then got a chance to. Those of them, you know, many people didn't go back backwards, you know, they, and then right. Um, so a lot of people got to heard, got to hear sort of where that came from. Um, and it was fun, kind of doing the new versions, doing kind of. I did like an acoustic version of Desert Wine, right? And that was kind of it's always kind of nice to revisit like really old tunes and what well, seems like really old to me now but it's like five four what what year is it 2019 it, it is six years ago <laughs> um <laughs> it's hard to keep track math uh, is hard <laughs> yeah it was good it was, it was always fun to revisit old tunes and kind of rework them and when you know six years might not be that long a time but you change so much I think I've changed quite a lot in that time and I feel like I'm singing them I feel like I'm covering them more than um, uh, you know like they're not my own songs anymore and I'm just right. doing like a cover which, which is kind of nice so I've talked about this with some other guests how do you feel about the idea that songs are are they ever really finished like when you release a song do you, in your head you think this is done or in a case like this six years later you've gone back and redone a song mm-hmm. you've kind of already said this but but do you feel like a song is kind of a living thing in that sense that that it never is actually finished yeah sort of i think like there's some like uh recordings that you do that are kind of like the recording if you know what i mean and they're sort of like that's the that's the you did it right yeah and that's sort of like a, it's almost like a statue that you've carved and it's just sitting right. there but the statue is just a representation of the song. It's not the song itself, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's like the song itself is a more kind of ethereal creature on its own that can be taken by someone else or 
played live a million different ways, re-recorded over and over again. So the song and the recording are two separate things. And okay, I think and so yeah, I think the songs definitely have a life. And yeah, yeah. Well, that's a very interesting way of putting it. Um, the song "Desert Wine" on this release is a longer version than the original. Do I have that right? Yeah. So there's two versions of the old one. There was okay. one that was quite short, and then and then I decided to make it longer, so I added on a bit. I added on like a nice sort of bridge in the chorus, extra chorus, because it was only like a minute and a half or something. I don't I can't remember. Right. And then, so there's two versions up on online. I'm not sure which ones, which. Okay. Yeah, because the first one kind of builds up to this chorus and then ends, and it's kind of interesting. It kind of is a, almost unresolved, and it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting in that way. But then I heard the other version that kind of allows that to resolve, I think. Where I'm going, I won't be confined. Oh, where I'm going, I won't be confined. To the back road, to the desert wine. No, no, you can't have some yard just to so let's get back to what you're saying about the song being a thing uh, that, that the recording is is one part of mm. So when you are writing songs, are you thinking about the recording of it or are you thinking about performing it live or are you just thinking of it as the song and not considering how it will be received? Uh, It depends on the song. A few of the songs I've been writing recently, I've been thinking about more how I'm going to perform them live with the band that I play with at the minute. Um, we just got a cellist and a, an extra guitarist that came on board for this tour that we're about to do and um, I'm trying to arrange everything so that we can use them like the best ways uh, I can't speak today <laughs> <laughs> utilize I'm, them in like the most oh, I'm about to have step behind you today so <laughs> I'm not going to be much help <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> the, yeah so utilize them in the most effective kind of way because like that's it's so great having them on board and they're such great musicians that I want to make the most of them being there um, right so I've been thinking the last couple of songs I wrote in a week last week or two I've been thinking about their parts and how it's going to sound live and which is kind of fun because I normally think about when I'm writing a song how it's how the recording's going to sound, but this is a much this might be a better way of doing things. Huh. We'll see. I'm not sure. I'm, yeah. So when I saw you perform live, I I really was impressed. You seemed to be be very committed, a very committed live performer. You were definitely trying to connect with the audience, and it worked. So so, how do you approach live performing? What do you think is important to a good live performance? Um. I think what you're doing on stage is as important as what the sound is, you know. People want to, like if you're just standing around, strumming the guitar, singing, not moving, or um, I think people don't connect as easily to that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think people come to see gigs as much as they come to hear them, you know. Um, So I like to kind of rock out a bit and throw throw myself around and really kind of get 
really absorbed in the music and absorbed in the other people that I'm playing with on stage and not like absorbed in a way that excludes the audience but yep. in a way that like you know I'm kind of bouncing ideas off um, Connor on the drums or Mason on the bass and um, kind of trying to get in the same headspace as them and the audience and kind of meet meet somewhere in the in, in the middle if that makes any sense yeah well it worked very well when I saw you um, cheers so you're, doing, I, you're doing something right cheers um, <laughs> <laughs> alright Joshua we need to talk about something mm-hmm we need to talk about dreams. Okay. Yeah. Some of your songs, a lot of them have like dream-like soundscapes, background voices, kind of found sounds, ethereal production, right? Mm-hmm. And a number of your songs lyrically directly reference dreams, right? Black Dog Sin, I think, good mm-hmm. word, maybe. Yeah. So can you talk about this? Is the dream state important to your creative process? And how do you, how do you think about all that? Yeah, I mean, a friend of mine recently said to me, Dreams and dancing are the two things that come a lot, come up a lot, apparently. In, in your music. In my music, dreams and dancing. Yeah. So um, I think dreams are, I think I've always been a big fan of the surrealists, um, like painters yeah, from like the early 20th century. And mm-hmm. and like they, their kind of way of thinking and way of processing the world and way of creating art was just like really fascinating to me. So I think a little bit of that is kind of rubbed off on me and I certainly think there is so much going on behind the scenes in your head that especially if you're writing you know as a lyricist it's such a great resource you know um, of creativity yeah I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite interested in kind of subconscious psychology and and I think I write most of my kind of lyrics first thing in the morning when your head's still in that kind of hazy state when you don't really know like like you are now maybe (laughs) (laughs) Um, no telling no telling tales on me (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah so and I'm quite interested in how alcohol and drugs and things mind altering things kind of affect how you see the world and so aside from writing early in the morning do you occasionally try and write under the influence in order to kind of access that um, unconscious? Is that what you're getting to? Yeah, but I think those not. I don't normally write, but I under the under the influence. But um, I do take inspiration from a different perspective. But I'm um, okay. If that makes any sense, like um, I probably drink far too much, and that's kind of a a, a problem that I deal with in my songs quite a lot. A reference mm-hmm. drinking. And like every other song, <laughs> maybe it's just yeah, typical Irish, eh? Um, maybe <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> you know, there is a small town in Northern Ireland called mm-hmm. Clabby, which is my last name. Clabby, Clabby, yes. Clabby. So, see, is that? Oh yeah, C L A B B Y. Okay, yes. Yeah. Um, Clabby. I don't know. Do you know where Clabby is, kind of? No. It's, I think it's very small. We'll, we'll, we'll go check it out sometime. All right. And uh, so report back to you. Back to the dreams. Let's talk about the song Drive in Another Time. Yeah. Um, I think you do a great job here lyrically of kind of taking us into a dream. Yeah. Like you talk about when, specifically when you're riding in the car with your dad mm-hmm. in the dream and your song comes on the radio, but it's all scratchy, right? Yeah. So we all kind of know that frustrating aspect of dreams where things just aren't working. And yeah. I, I think you captured that pretty well there. Can you talk about that song a little bit? 
Yeah, I wrote it. I wrote it around the same time as the rest of that EP. One morning after having a series of sort of, yeah, I wouldn't call it nightmares, but just just unhappy dreams, you know, where you kind of bounce from one scene to the next. Not really. You're always, you know, searching for something. Yeah, just one of those really anxious, anxious dreams, and um, yeah, I think um, probably stems from a place of longing and grief for a sort of childhood that kind of got snatched away from me you know so mm. I, I i think there's yeah i've always liked songs that were like a little journey you know and you can follow the kind of trail yeah from from start to finish there's no real conclusion to the song which i always felt like was was kind of it was missing some sort of more well-rounded kind of uh circular kind of thing yeah but that dreams aren't like that normally so the dreams never seem to end right yeah <laughs> they're they are frustrating in that way and they just kind of end s- seemingly uh arbitrarily you know so yeah so i turn the radio on and they're playing my song but it's screeching and it's scratching and the words are all wrong i said hey where are we going Starts changing, his eyes turn brown. So I jump right out and I head on down the road where the sky was bitten and the wind was cold. Well, I came to a bungalow, the front door kicked in, a lonely shirt to the line clinging the windows were broken it was dark inside so I say hello 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 is there anyone in there I'm lost in another time all these crazy dreams of mine I can't take them anymore So do I have this right that you lived in South America for a bit? Yeah, for just uh, three months I was there. Okay. Um, but did you pick up any musical influences there? Yeah, for sure. I got to play with um, a local Cumbian um, group. Um, and they taught me a thing or two. And it was just amazing absorbing that kind of music and and those kind of rhythms, which I infu- right. which kind of influenced a few of the songs, the kind of rhythmic patterns I used in the likes of Afrata. 20, right, 20, the song, Friday, the song, yeah. Friday particularly, right? Yeah, um, and also just like being there was a kind of incredibly inspiring place as well because I drew a lot. You could draw a lot of parallels between the history of Colombia and the history of Ireland, actually, in, in, in kind of weird ways, and in, in their kind of civil unrest huh. um, throughout the years. Um, I mean, they have the FARC, and we have um, the the Ra, as we call them. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, and I was particularly inspired by a guy called Jaime Garcon, who's that's what Twenty Six Street's all about. He was kind of this really um, quite interesting intellectual kind of TV personality, comedian, writer, politician, sort of. And he was kind of just basically saying "fuck you" to to all the kind of 
gangsters running the place and um, he ended up getting killed for it, you know, and he was sort of um, a hero for like the kind of common man. Um, okay. And he was he was assassinated on 26th Street, I think in 98 or 97, 98. And yeah, so the song kind of spirals out from there, from that the his, from his kind of story outwards. And, mm-hmm. and I talk about two, a few other different interesting people that kind of seem, you know, particularly brilliant in some way and then came to like a troubling end and um, that's kind of what the song is about I suppose is asking sort of trying to ask the universe why you know wh- why does this have to happen why does why do good people have to die in, in awful ways you know um, is there any like is there a balance of right and wrong in the world of good and light or is it just you know mayhem hmm. Her young instruments correct yeah um do you ever use any of them to write or do you strictly stick to the guitar oh yeah i use um piano to write and i use banjo to write i just wrote a song on this air organ thing that i borrowed from uh, another studio i write on accordion sometimes just just whatever you know whatever's sitting nearest to the sofa really or the (laughs) the couch as you call it um I'll just pick that up and then if I'm playing away and not an idea will come to me and then it kind of turns into a song if, if I stick at it for long enough, you know. So you recently released a live version of The Good Word, mm-hmm. right? So that song kind of takes up science and religion. It's a story maybe of a professor who, quoting you, giving mm-hmm. up all that quantum shit <laughs> to, spread the, to spread the good word, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I like the line particularly where he says, I might give up drinking so much yeah <laughs> uh, can you talk about this song a little bit and your decision to to, to put out that live version yeah uh, well, we record a whole live album uh, in December okay. which we're bringing out the whole album in May what is May is it May no it's April still yeah I don't even really know what year it is what month it is how it's alright <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there you start, I'm sure you're starting to understand why uh, I missed you on Friday <laughs> <laughs> um Anyway, so yes, yeah, so we're bringing out the album next month, and we wanted to like drop a couple of singles from it first. Um, and we chose the Good Word as one of them because it was kind of a fan favorite on that album, even though it wasn't a single. Like people um, would come up to me and be like, and tell me they really like that song and something about the lyrics mm-hmm. um, that are quite straightforward, but quite, you know, kind of sort of like sort of serious but kind of funny at the same time and i think people like you know respond to that quite well sometimes you know when it's when it's the subject matter is quite serious and dark and um all the rest of it but then there's these little throwaway lines that kind of make you chuckle it's kind of got this you know it gives it a wee bit of a balance you know you can kind of handle the 
the kind of nihilistic existential part of the song if there's a three a few jokes thrown in there you know i think it's a great song cheers he said god what have i done and was it all predetermined all meant to be if you give me more time Swear I'll believe, give up all that quantum shit Spend all my days spreading the good word Singing your praise, aha Yes sir, that's right Glory, hallelujah Glory, hallelujah Let's let's finish with this. You you uh, talked earlier about six years between releasing that first EP and, and re-releasing it, uh, being kind of a long time mm. in terms of your uh, the way you look at uh, your songwriting. So how do you think you have changed over that time? Are the things you've gotten better at, or do you kind of emphasize things differently than you used to? Um, it's probably things. I'm probably a stronger musician, and maybe i don't know i don't know if i've got any better or if i've just kind of stayed the same but like i'm trying different things which is always important going trying to go in different directions but i kind of think like when you start off this is probably nonsense but like once <laughs> you get to like a certain point of like songwriting ability you just stay like that all your life <laughs> and you can try out different genres and different um, that's your that's your personal theory. No, I just maybe I don't know. I could, I might just be waffling again, but um, <laughs> I, 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 that's what it feels like. To, that's what it feels like to me when I hear. Like I feel like you know, all the best get to their best when they're in their early twenties, whatever, mm. and then they kind of just stay like that. Um, and I think I'm the same, maybe. Yeah. Not not to, not to say that they don't make better albums later on down the line because they tried out a different genre or a different idea or a different kind of thing but right. I think generally their like songwriting ability just you just kind of you work out what you work out how to do it and then you just do it <laughs> and as, a, as a trade kind of yeah yeah it's like making a making a table yes. you know you know how to do it and then you just keep making tables over and over and over again and hope and hope that people keep buying them <laughs> right <laughs> well, you're making pretty good tables so far. Maybe you should consider a chair uh, <laughs> next. So, okay, I'm gonna uh, do chairs next. Do chairs. Okay, a whole album of chairs would be great. Uh, Joshua, this has been a great chat. I really appreciate your taking the time yep. to meet with us. Yeah. Uh, do you have plans to maybe come back over to the states and and uh, yeah, do some shows here? Yeah. Well, um, we are planning to come out. We've got a few gigs in October, actually. Um, we haven't announced them yet, so I will I will update you about that in due course. Yeah. But um, with I think we will be in Chicago. Um, like we'll be in New York. Um, hopefully L.A., San Fran, Cisco. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. people in the U.S. hate it when people call it San Fran? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I think you're what you're, you're allowed to say it. Okay. We'll, we'll give you. Yeah. We'll give you. San Fran. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, well, that's great. We we as the United States look forward to to seeing you here live. But but uh, cool. People are already listening to your music here, and, and I think uh, there's a lot to discover. You're doing you're doing great things. Cheers! Uh, thank you very much for having me. Bye. Yeah.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Tell You What, the podcast. Big thanks to Joshua Burnside for being so generous with his time, and also particularly for carrying the conversation along so well as I struggled a bit to keep up. I really enjoyed our talk, and I look forward to seeing Joshua perform live again later this year here in the U.S. If you enjoyed the podcast, it would be great if you could take a minute and give us a rating or a review on the iTunes machine. That'll help other folks find us and give more exposure to these great young artists. I'm not going to tell you what rating to give. That is up to you, of course. But as a reminder, the maximum rating is five stars. Five five stars is is the most. An even easier way to help us out is to tell a music-loving friend about us or share your love on the social media. I'm guessing some of you might be users of the social media. So check out Joshua's music. It is eclectic, fascinating, and powerful. And I think more great music is yet to come from Belfast. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, music is the best. Well, I've written.